So I want us to start this morning just by doing that. So however that looks like for you, just to posture yourself in a place of thanksgiving and gratitude, maybe to close your eyes, hold your hands out. If you feel comfortable, maybe even out loud under your breath, just tell the Lord, thank you. Father, we thank you this morning. We come with hearts of gratitude. We enter in and we choose thankfulness. Even if it's all just thank you for breath in our lungs, God, we thank you.
Listen on behalf of this church body and just pray through what does God have to say with us? What does God have to say to us? And sometimes I hear something and it just seems too simple. And so in Matthew chapter 5, it's the, he, he says, we are the light of the earth. We are the salt of the earth. 
Sometimes when we hear something, we hear it a hundred times and it doesn't hit us. Maybe you've read this, this part of, of Matthew over and over again, and it meant nothing to you. But I felt like God is, is reminding us who we are. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the earth. Then it goes on and it describes what the light is like. And this is the, the part that really stuck out to me is let your light shine. Let your light shine. So others may see your good deeds and then glorify the Father in heaven. This is not about us getting noticed. This is about the Father getting noticed. So even as I'm speaking this and I'm saying, let your light shine, some of you are probably thinking like, maybe the Holy Spirit is tapping you on the shoulder and letting you know how you can let your light shine to your family, your friends. So I just wanna pray for that and bless that now. God, we, we acknowledge that you deserve all the glory because you're the only one that deserves it. So may the things we do shine a light on you. I just ask right now, Spirit, that you, you tap us on the shoulder, you put specific people in our minds right now, that you, that you put places in our minds right now that, that you want us to let our light shine. May we be faithful for the things that you show us and for the things that you speak to us. And may we act quickly. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You can go ahead and turn to those around you and wish them good morning. Good morning and welcome to North Star, whether online or in the room here, welcome to North Star. Our mission here is to go to the missing, love the marginalized and to live as God's kids. Um, my name is Brian Bergdorf and um, <coughs> yeah. so um, yeah, so I'm one of the greeters in um, children's ministry. So if you have a kid that you bring back there, um, I get to see a whole parade of kids come by once a month. Um, I love the energy, I love the cuteness, I love the disheveled hair of when they woke up like probably five minutes ago, and I love that they're going back to learn about Jesus. So um, thanks for letting me be part of your kids' lives. So um, if you're new here, we want to make sure that you feel welcome. We're super excited that you're here and would love to get you connected. So um, I think up on the screen, there'll be a connect card that you can fill out online. So if you're joining online or here, you can fill that out. If you're here in the room, you can go back to connecting point back by the fireplace after the service. Um, also back there are the pathway journals and the, the Bible reading plan. So if you haven't gotten into that, I encourage you to jump in, jump in anytime. Like you don't have to like start from the beginning and try to catch up. Just jump in anytime, make it as easy as possible and join on in. So um, 
yeah, also there's a link behind me, um, the link back there. Um, you can give to North Star. Also, um, there's a box over by the double glass doors to give. And just as a reminder, at least 25% of what comes in goes back out to local and global missions. Usually it's even a lot more than that. So um, I just love how this church is so open-handed as I think about the DNA of North Star as even you know hearing from other churches and other groups around what they say about North Star, one of the core words used is generosity. And I think that is an awesome mark for this church. And that's all because of all of you giving time, talent, resources, everything. So just thanks, thanks for that. So um, a few announcements this morning. The first one is there will be a marriage retreat on April 20th. So this is a save the date. And um, so the day will include short engaging talks, breakout sessions, and it's time um, for, for each couple to be prayed over. So for now, just save the date and get excited and signups will come. My wife and I have done multiple marriage retreats, workshops, and things over, over the years and it's always been time well spent. And so whether, whether you're having tough times in marriage and want to use this time to sort of re reset and reconnect. If maybe you're in the time frame of little kids that are just crazy and chaotic or big kids that have all sorts of activities and you just don't have much time to connect together, um, this would be a great time to sort of put that noise aside and connect. Or if things are going really well and you just want to sort of tune up the engine, you know, a little bit and focus on, on the marriage, um, also invite you out. So I just encourage you, like next to our relationship with God, our marriage relationship is the most important relationship on this earth. And so just, you know, encourage you to invest in that and come on out. So, and then the last announcement is student winter weekend retreat. So there will be a video. Let me set it up by saying the theme is stillness. So I just want to make sure you knew the theme before we jump into it. So, <clears throat> Hey, we're at Kenwood mall. We're asking people to be still and about stillness in the midst of the busiest season of the year. Right guys, busy season. Yeah. Here we go. <clears throat> about stillness just in this chaotic world how do you feel about stillness i'm not so sure there's a whole lot of still things going on right no, now no. hey guys can i ask you a quick question sure. you're in the midst of this craziness this bustle to hustle right yeah. do you feel like you need more stillness uh -huh. yeah. you do you, you guys want to be still right here right now all right let's let's just be still right here <laughs> you hang out be still Think of how peaceful this is though. Like everyone else is walking around us. They're all busy and pushing forward. Like this is, this is stillness. Yeah? Does this feel awkward? This feels nice. A little bit feels nice. Oh, you're gonna join us? Hi, welcome. So good to see you. I feel like, I feel like now you're the minority. Like before you had a strong stance. Yeah. Would you guys like to join us being still? We're, you come, we're just being still. You want to join us being still? No? Nope. <laughs> yeah, do you have any glasses that record people? You don't. Okay, fair enough. I just like to creepily record people with my glasses. That's all. Hey, man. Uh, I see you're uh, being still here. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm filming a video. Uh, okay. Yeah, how do you feel about being still? Being still? Yeah. It's kind of nice. Kind of nice? Yeah. yeah. 
it weird being still with a random person in the bed? Yeah, it's a little, a little awkward. So, I have a question. Uh, in the midst of this chaos, how do you stay still? How do I stay still? Yeah. By you talking to me right By now. By me talking to you right now, yeah. Uh, is it hard to be still? De definitely. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Can, it we, is. can we practice stillness a little bit right now? Uh, let's do it. All right. Just, 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 just right here. Just right here. Just right, oh, yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I honestly thought the second time I watched that, I would be a little less like angsty and stressed about it, but it's about the same. So anyways, <clears throat> um, so yeah, so if you have a 7th through 12th grade student, um, then the weekend is coming up on February 23rd through 25th. There'll be worship, incredible teaching, um, amazing games, and learn what it means to be closer to Jesus. And um, as he mentioned this year, they'll look at how being still is an active practice um, that will change lives. So just encourage you to sign up and um, get on that. So um, to find out more information on any of these things, go to the website, and then uh, let's pray for Cody as he comes up to speak today. So... Um, join me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for um, this church, and um, we've just been talking about announcements of marriage and of students, and those are just two such important things um, to us. So I just pray for our students, for our marriages, that you'd bring life, that you'd bring connection, that you'd bring um, just Jesus, more of Jesus. And so um, also as Cody comes up to talk about solitude, which is connected to stillness and all those things, I pray that you just give him the words to speak and let us um, receive it well and let our lives be transformed by you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Well, hey, church family, my name is Cody. And before I dive into my talk, I need to talk with you about George. Uh, George Schuler was a member here at North Star in this past week, a few days ago. Uh, he passed away suddenly at the young age of 72. And uh, if you knew George and you're hearing this for the first time from the stage, I'm so sorry you have to hear that. We would rather do that in a one-on-one -on -one setting, but I just wanted to celebrate uh, George. He was super involved in the care center, so this is gonna be a big loss for the care center family. Uh, George also, he did Saturday morning missions, which is the mission of going outside these church walls into the community to bring people in to the care center and into the church. Uh, he was also involved in men's ministry. He was here at the prayer room uh, regularly. He was just all over this place. And last month in December, George got baptized at the age of 72. And it was the declaration that you are never, ever too old to declare Jesus in your heart. And so while we're sad George is gone, we, we celebrate in the victory of Christ that Christ takes away the sting of death. Uh, would you guys join me in prayer for, for George and his family? God, we come before you and I thank you for this man and for his legacy. I thank you for his involvement in your kingdom. Uh, I hope that I, I follow in his footsteps, uh, the way that he served people, the way that he loved people. And God, I do pray for George's family uh, right now that he leaves behind and any friends. Uh, Father, as they mourn, I pray that they would draw closer to you. God, we thank you that you do uh, overcome death and you take away the sting of death and that we'll see George again in the new heaven and the new earth. And it's in your name we pray, amen. And uh, yeah, it's a sobering reminder that our life here is short. It's a mist here today and gone tomorrow. And, and if through George's passing, it made any of you ask questions about who Jesus is or what your relationship is with him, that would be such, uh, like George would get so excited about that. So if you have any questions about Jesus, come talk with us about that. And y'all, I don't have a good transition, like talking 
uh, about George to, to diving into my talk. And I was telling David earlier this week, uh, I already had my talk written and whatever. And he goes, George had a great sense of humor. And so if you just make a hard turn, he'll think that's, he would think that's hilarious to so just do it. So I'm gonna dive into my talk. Um, I wanna talk about a blast from the past. Do you guys remember the movie Fight Club? Uh, w whether you saw this movie or not, you know that the first rule about Fight Club is you don't, yeah, the first rule about Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. At least the beginning of this movie is all about these guys who like bare knuckle fist fight on basement floors in order to reclaim their masculinity and feel alive. And they're not supposed to talk about Fight Club, but every time the club meets, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. More people keep joining. And these guys, after they get beaten up, they're missing teeth or black eyes or whatever, they go out into public and other guys start to notice there's something different about them. They're more confident or whatever, and they wanna join. They're like, I want in on this. And by the way, this has nothing to do with my talk, but after this movie came out, legitimate fight clubs started to pop up. Like people really was like, this is a great idea. Anyways, I wanna invite you into a spiritual practice today that might feel a little bit like a fight club experience. It, it partially sounds cool and it partially sounds really difficult. And uh, we're, we're in a series called Be Like Jesus. This is our last week of the series. We've been looking at different spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices uh, that Jesus partook in because Jesus had his priorities straight. When he was here on earth, his job was to connect with the Father, to do the will of the Father and be obedient to him. And, and Jesus, he was, he was walking in the ways of other heroes of the faith around him. Guys like John the Baptist and Elijah and Moses, they all spent time in solitude out in the wilderness meeting with God. And, and when some of you hear the word solitude, maybe you think of like a reflective ocean uh, experience where you're just in solitude and it's great. Others of you might think of solitary confinement because it, it's difficult. Solitude can, can feel really hard, but it's so necessary in our lives. Mother Teresa, she once said, uh, we need to find God and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. And what I'm about to say next might be an overarching statement. It might be too simplistic, uh, but I would argue that most of our spiritual disciplines, most of the practices we do to follow God can kind of be boiled down into two different categories. We have community and we have solitude. And in community, we pursue God through things like worship and hearing the word preached and wrestling with scripture and practicing generosity and serving and accountability and repentance and fasting and all of these things. But then over here in solitude, we also pursue God through, through uh, prayer and through interceding for others, wrestling with scripture, worship, fasting, being out in nature. Now, if you notice, there's a lot of overlap, right? Of the things that we do. We do, we do them in community, we do them in solitude. But here's the problem, is unfortunately in our day and age, we do a pretty bad job at both of these things. Right, like, like because of our busy schedules, because of technology distracting us, we often aren't really invested in community around us. Or even if you are in a pathway group or you're, you're gathering in some way, 
The temptation can be for our minds to be elsewhere, thinking about all that I need to get done, thinking about my to-do list, or being distracted on our phone, and we don't do a good job of being present in community. Even before COVID, psychologists and sociologists were sounding the, the alarm on the loneliness epidemic that is plaguing not just America, but the whole world. Um, and, and it's only been made worse through COVID. And so that's community. We also don't do a great job of solitude. We, we can be tempted to think that if I spend a night alone watching Netflix, I'm practicing solitude. And, and that's not exactly what God had in mind, right? And, and so unfortunately, if we're doing neither of these things well, we end up somewhere in the middle in this no man's land where we're just numb, right? We're, we're just not doing either of them well. And, and I want you I want you to ask yourself two questions, or really I'm asking you these questions. Question one, what would your life look like if you had a better understanding of who you are and what your mission is here on earth? Like if you really had a better, you were able to step into the calling that God had for you, how would your life look different? Would you live with more intentionality, more purpose, more passion? Second question, how would your life look different if you understood the emotions going on inside of you and, and you actually sat with some of the ugly, dark parts of yourself and, and you, you brought those to God? How would your life look different? Now, this, this isn't a promise, it's not a prescription, but I do believe that solitude is part of the equation of embodying these things, right? Of being healthy in these things. And so Henry Nouwen, he talks about what solitude is. We need a definition. Uh, he's a spiritual writer. Henry says this. He says, solitude is not a private therapeutic practice. It's the place of encounter. We live in a therapeutic culture where far more emphasis is put on feeling good than being good. Ouch. Inside a culture focused on wellness spirituality, it's easy to view practices like solitude, silence, and stillness as no more than spiritual disciplines for introverts who like that kind of thing. But this is not the solitude of Jesus or John the Baptist or Elijah the prophet or any of the other great ones of the way. For them, solitude was not a day spa for the soul. They may have spent time in quiet resting, but ultimately the goal wasn't to run away from the world, but to run to God and then come back to the world to love and serve. And I wanna read this last sentence again. The goal is not to run away from the world in any sort of escapism or numbness. It's to run to God and then come back to the world to love and serve. And so. Solitude is the practice of trying to limit any outside voices or noises or distractions and just spending time hearing God's voice. And there's a lot of reasons why we may not like to practice solitude. I know that for me, solitude can feel unproductive. If I spend time trying to hear God's voice and I don't hear anything, I can feel like a failure. I feel like that's not productive at all. It's not a failure, but I can feel that way right? Another reason I've found that I don't like solitude is uh, actually because I let anxiety control me. Uh, I was talking with a friend, James, the other day, and we were talking about prayer and listening to God. And I realized that on my daily like to-do list, it's on there, but it ends up being one of the first things I, I push to the side. Uh, and the reason why is I'm looking at my list and all the other things, and I don't feel like I'm gonna be able to do it all. And so my anxiety controls me. And I want you to, I want you to just know, like, this is kind of ridiculous. I'm a pastor. I literally get paid to pray. Like, it's part of my... You could see it in my job description. I could count it as my working hours and I still push it off to the side. Uh, another reason we may not like solitude and I'm gonna hone in on this one a little bit more 
is solitude makes us deal with our emotions. Uh, how many of you have heard of the band 21 Pilots? All right, all right, all right. If you don't know 21 Pilots, maybe your kids can tell you about them. Uh, but one of their most popular songs is called Car Radio. And in this song, the premise is that the artist, uh, his radio was stolen out of his car, so now when he drives anywhere, he has to sit in silence. And here are some of the lyrics. He says, I'm forced to deal with what I feel. There is no distraction to mask what is real. And so in the silence, he has to wrestle with his inner emotions and it, it leads him to a dark place and an existential crisis. And it's a super deep song and it sounds great too, but don't we all do this? We all just want to distract ourselves and numb ourselves and not deal with our junk, right? So whether it's Netflix or YouTube or social media or whether it's getting involved in other people's problems so we don't have to deal with our own problems, like we don't like dealing with the, the thoughts within us. The temptation is to mute or mask the realities of the world around us. There was a study done at the University of Virginia that found that a quarter of women and two-thirds of men would rather shock themselves than be alone in a room with their own thoughts. And so this leads us to our first case study for today. I'm gonna to look at some different reasons of why Jesus got alone in solitude with God. And the first one comes from Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. I made a mistake earlier. Uh, I think it says Matthew 13 up there. It's actually Matthew 14. But Matthew 13, or Matthew chapter 14, uh, this is right after Jesus loses what was likely his best friend, John the Baptist. John the Baptist is put to death and when Jesus heard about it, it says in verse 13, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. This is the modern day translation of getting in your car and going for a drive to think about stuff, right? So Jesus, he, he hears that his best friend is gone. What did he do in that time of solitude? I don't know for sure, but I can speculate. I imagine he spent time thinking of good times with John. I imagine he mourned the death. Maybe he cried out to the Lord of why now, why him? I also wonder if this moment didn't put a pit in the stomach of Jesus as he realized that this is bringing him one step closer to the crucifixion, right? Like now people are dying for the kingdom. His cousin just died and his time is coming soon. And so did this make him just realize what is coming? Right? And so Jesus got alone in solitude. He's dealing with his emotions. He's being built up by the Father and getting resilience from God. Right? That's why he got alone in solitude. And here's the deal. If we're gonna be the best husband, the best wife, the best friend, the best parent, the best coworker that we can be, we have to deal with our own stuff. Right? Like we, we have to deal with our own emotions. And every counselor said amen, right? Like we have to deal with our stuff. Um, and we need to enter into solitude alone with the Father to be strengthened by him. And here's the deal. Have you guys ever been so emotional? Uh, maybe you're angry, maybe you're sad, but you wait to get around somebody safe to like let it all come out, right? Kids do this all the time. Maybe they scrape their knee or they're scared and they act brave and they hold it all together. But the moment they get around mom or dad, the waterworks just start coming, right? Like I, I think this is how God wants us to approach him in solitude. He's the good shepherd who cares about us deeply, who, who wants us to give our anxieties and our worries over to him. He's there and he can take it. He was actually meant to shoulder the burden of the things in our lives and we weren't supposed to, to hold those on our own. And so he's saying, come to me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? He wants us to bring these kinds of things to him. 
And for Jesus, it's good that he got alone with God to be built up in that time of solitude because the very next verse, verse 14, uh, shows that the crowds, they saw where Jesus was sailing to and they ran around the body of water to meet him on the other side. And, and, and so the, the diseased and, and the, the sick and, and, and those who were demon possessed, those who needed a miracle were there to be ministered by Jesus. So the moment he landed, like he had to start serving people. He had to start sacrificing, right? And, and parents in the room, I couldn't have made up a better analogy for some of your lives. Like you parents, as you drive your kids eight times a day, like a modern day Uber from place to place to place to place to place, the only time of solitude, the only moments you might get with God is when you're driving somewhere. And here's the deal. I, Solitude doesn't always have to be up on a mountain somewhere or at a beach. I think the Lord is really honored when we take small moments out of our life to just spend time with him. And, and so driving uh, the past few months, I've been using this app called the Pause app. It's on Android, it's on iPhone. And what it is, is it's a, it's a guided prayer app. There's a one minute prayer with like, you can do one minute, right? Like we can all, we have one minute. There's a one minute, a three minute, a five minute, and it goes up from there. But it's a, a prayer practice called benevolent detachment, where in that time of prayer, you say, God, I wanna give you everything. I wanna give you my stress. I wanna give you my fear of rejection. I wanna give you my family. I wanna give you my concern for this. You just start listing the things that you wanna give back to God. It's incredible. You should download it. And at the end of our talk, we're actually gonna practice the pause app together. All right, let me move on to the next case study, Mark 1, 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Now, this section of scripture comes right after Jesus was doing miracles and he was healing people. And it said everyone in town was at his doorstep. So his popularity was going through the roof. Like this was a time in Jesus's life where he was so popular, everyone knew his name. Everyone wanted to be around him. And over and over again in scripture, when Jesus gets popular, when he gets too much attention, he withdraws because he wasn't there to, to please the crowds. He was there to, to please and be with his father and to do his father's mission. But you gotta wonder why in that moment of popularity and success, at least success from the world standpoint, why did Jesus choose that moment to get away? Well, one, I think it was, again, to find rest in the father. But two, I also imagine it was a moment where Jesus got alone to ground himself in the Lord, to remind himself that life is not about fame, it's not about success, it's not about any of these other things. I'm grounded in God and who he says I am and what he says my life is about. And there's moments in our life where we need grounding, right? Well, like if you're tempted to think that your job is becoming your identity and you're putting too much stock in your job, that's a time where we need grounded by the Lord. We need to meet with him. If a relationship in your life is becoming an idol, or even if your kids are becoming your idol, if anything is kind of out of balance of where it should be, that's a time to get alone with God and to let him speak over us. If you're in a season of life where you feel like a failure, maybe you've relapsed, maybe you've committed some sin, and shame and guilt and condemnation are just wrecking your life, that's a time to get alone with God and grounding. Or the opposite, if everything in your life, you're everything you touch turns to gold and you're, you're struggling with pride, that's a time to get grounded with the Lord, right? Uh, Psalm 139, this is King David. This was his prayer. It's a grounding prayer. 
He said, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is beautiful example of grounding. All right, let's go to my last, or my next and last case study. It's in Luke chapter six, starting in verse 12. It says, when Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, he spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. And so Jesus didn't need wisdom himself, I don't think, but I think he was modeling to us that when you need wisdom for something, you go and you, you meet with the father and you give him space to speak. And so Jesus modeled this by going and asking God wisdom for who his disciples should be, who the men are that he should choose. And really Jesus was embodying what we see in Jeremiah chapter six, verse 16. Uh, it says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. So I think Jesus was doing this. He was seeking God's will and God's face. And, and there, there's been multiple moments in my life where I had to make a big decision, where I tried to get alone with God to hear his voice. And there's sometimes I heard something and there's other times I haven't. I remember when I was, uh, my job, I was working with college students at the University of Kentucky doing ministry. And all I knew is that my job was ending in April. I was transitioning, but I didn't know what I was transitioning to at that point. It was just all out in the open and I was a little intimidated. And, and I got alone with God. I went to uh, Red River Gorge for a night. I camped by myself. I went hiking the next day. I was out in nature all day and there were no fireworks. There were no booming voice. I never had this one moment where I felt like God spoke and gave me a clear way. And again, it was still success because I was giving God space to speak, but there was, the Lord opened doors and connections were made and, and I, I had my next steps, but I didn't hear anything that time around. Uh, I have had moments where I uh, did hear the Lord's voice. I remember uh, I was living in Texas and Robin was living in Kentucky and we were dating long distance. And we, we felt like we were moving towards marriage, but I wanted to seek God's uh, voice on that. And so some things were happening in our life. We needed to make some decisions by this date. And I was like, Lord, between now and that date, I wanna give you every moment of my free time to seek your voice and your wisdom on this. And so I was fasting, I was praying, I was doing all of this stuff. And I would go to this lake that was about 15 to 20 minutes uh, by my house. And I would just walk up and down the lake shore and I would lay in the hammock and I would pray and all of this stuff. And I remember getting in the hammock and uh, kind of like wrapping myself in it. And I felt like I was in my own little tabernacle. And uh, back in kids ministry, they call that their prayer tent. And anyways, when I got in the hammock, immediately this verse came to my mind, Exodus 33:11, which says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want the Lord to speak to me. I'd love for him to speak to me face to face. And so I got out my, my phone and I'm on my Bible app in my hammock and I get to Exodus 33 and, and I'm just reading the chapter and I get to verse 14. And it says, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And in that moment, I felt like the Lord was communicating, uh, Cody, I'll go with you and Robin, I'll give you rest. My presence is gonna be with you. I felt like I was getting the green light to, to move forward with marriage. And so I went home and I ordered a plane ticket and I ordered the ring and all that stuff was set into motion. 
And, and so let there be moments in our lives where we seek God's face when we need to make a decision, whether it's God, should I take this job? Should we move? Should we adopt? Like, let us use those moments to make space for God in case there's anything he needs to say. Now, all three of these case studies, all three of the, 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 the scenarios where Jesus got alone, uh, whether it, it was around dealing with hard things in his life, being grounded by truth in the Lord, or seeking wisdom, just as important as it is to get alone in solitude with God in these moments, it's equally as important to get in community in these moments, right? We're supposed to wrestle with hard things in our life, with community around us. We're supposed to be grounded and tell one another truth in community. And we're supposed to seek wise counsel from one another. Because if I feel like I hear something from the Lord, but it doesn't line up with scripture and it doesn't, why, it doesn't line up with the other wise people around me and what they're saying, that's a yellow light, if not a red light, right? Like that's something we need to pause uh, before moving forward on. And so... Here are some challenges and some encouragements this week uh, of ways that maybe we can practice uh, solitude. First off, on a daily basis, uh, the Pathway Workbook that they were talking about, the, the daily reading plan, that's a great way to get alone with God to hear his voice. We believe the Bible is the main way that God speaks today. It's not the only way, but it's a primary way. Another way that you could uh, get alone with God kind of daily, kind of weekly is the prayer room. That's on Tuesdays and Fridays here at North Star at noon. It's a time of worship and contemplation. And although it's not solitude, there are other people here. Uh, everyone is kind of in like a prayer meditative soaking space. So I'll count it. Uh, also the, the pause app, uh, more on that in a second. And then here's a challenge is this week, what would it look like if you got two 10 minute chunks of time where you went on a walk or you sat on your back deck or you got under your bed covers or whatever and you just spent 10 minutes giving God space to speak. Again, he may, he may not, it's not a failure. If you are too distracted or you don't hear anything, that's okay. We just wanna honor him by giving him what we have in that moment. And then on a yearly basis, if there's, if there's times where you can get away out in nature for maybe it's just half a day, Maybe it's a whole day, maybe it's a weekend, but getting alone with God in these ways is absolutely incredible. And we wanna practice a small taste of this right now. Now, in a perfect world, I would snap my fingers and you would all be at a mountain or a beach on your own in solitude, able to be with God. That's not our reality, but we wanna use what we have with how we have it. So what we're about to practice is not solitude. You're like three inches away from each other, so I, I get that but we're gonna practice silence, which is a cousin, I guess, of solitude. Uh, and we're gonna, we're gonna just listen to the pause app that I was telling you about. It's gonna lead us through a guided meditative prayer. And, and again, the hope in this prayer is that we would cast everything on God, all of our anxieties. So there's gonna be a moment in this guided prayer where he says, Jesus, I give everything to you. And in that moment, I just invite you to start listing out things of the Lord, of God, I give you my job, I get whatever it is, I invite you into that. It's gonna start with a few moments of uh, breathing uh, and then we'll dive into the prayer. So enjoy.
Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you, God. What do you need to let go of? I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, heal my union with you. I love you. I believe you. I worship you. Restore our union, Lord. Heal and restore our union. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I pray for more of you, God. Fill me with more of you. I pray the river of life would fill me, restore me, renew me, surround me. I need more of you, God. Saturate me with your love. Saturate me with your life. That's good. That's enough for now. Awesome. Well, I hope that blessed you. Um, we're going to move into a time of response this morning, and we do that in a couple of different ways. First off, we're going to have prayer teams up front here. Come get prayer for anything going on in your life. Seek wisdom, intercede on behalf of other people. Let's practice being the body of Christ and praying together. We're also going to have, we have communion stations here and out in the lobby as well. Uh, we practice communion. It's for anyone who's a believer in Jesus. And it's a remembrance that Jesus's body was broken and his blood was poured out for us. That's symbolized by the cracker and the juice. And we do it in remembrance of his victory over sin and over death. And we're also gonna respond through worship, through exalting God's name on high. Would you stand and join me? God, you're good, and we thank you that you invite us to be alone with you. You invite us to seek your face, to be led by you. We wanna be your adopted children who are led by you. Father, you're good. We thank you that you wanna know us. We thank you that you care about our anxieties and our cares and the hard places in our life. And we thank you that you're always inviting us into more. You have good things for us and you're the good shepherd. And it's in your name we pray, amen.